Welcome to the Art Love Podcast, where we make art accessible. I'm Seema. And I'm Sophie. So what art did you see this week, Sophie? I saw the most amazing rug tufting artist on TikTok, who makes kind of photorealistic pet portraits. Nicole O'Reilly Design, uh, and she followed me from my video that kind of blew up. This is her, she traces into Procreate, and then she does like a color by numbers. And then look at that dog. That's wow. She's impressive, right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and she she followed me. She was like, I saw that you were like kind of promoting tracing and I really love that. I was like, hell yeah, bestie. I fucking awesome. love tracing. Those are so, yeah. awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? Yeah. Um, I did. I did. I was looking through a lot of art this week um, mm-hmm. on Instagram. I don't know. I was trying to figure out if I could think of what trends were happening partly because I was talking to some old museum pros. And so I was thinking like, I wonder what the next trends are Um, Mm. because there's a lot of exhibitions right now. I have this theory that um, most of American New York 1980s art will be immaterial in the future. (laughs) And so like, I really hate David Sally. (laughs) I really hate David Sally and Mm -hmm. Julian Schnabel, like truly despise their art. you know, maybe who knows what they are like as human beings, but ooh, I don't like their art. And so, but a lot of that art is becoming like really big exhibitions right now. Mm. Like there's a Keith Haring exhibition running around and, mm-hmm. you know, the Basquiat exhibitions. Mm-hmm. So I was diving pretty deep down that path of like, what, what, like, I was like, I was looking up all the artists from that era who are still alive, like Jeff Koons mm-hmm. and seeing what, what they're up to right now. So yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, like I used to have a thing where um, there's that website even, Dead or Alive. Oh, I've never heard of this. George Bush, Dead or Alive. Like, if you don't know, you could look it up. So so I was sort of doing that, but about people's art careers. Because I do think like... Drinking game, maybe? It was kind of a drinking game. I was like, wow, their work hasn't gotten better. Because I do think there's just... I don't know what set me down. Did you just slip in a, a massive criticism that work hasn't gotten any better? Just <laughs> <laughs> like peppered that in there. Oh my god! I mean, you've I been love working you. for six years. <laughs> like, come on! I just, I mean, like, I think about, <laughs> about like your cat person, and you know, like I think about appropriate. I don't use it anymore, but I used to use it all the time. Uh-huh. And the first things I did are embarrassing. But like you get better, right? Like, <laughs> uh, oh, it's true. Um, do you think it's kind of like? Did you ever see BoJack Horseman and how there's the criticism that people who get famous are kind of like frozen at that age <laughs> forever? Yeah. Do you think it's kind of the same? Yeah, I mean, I think like, I think like, and then what happens is we also like usually decide either they've gone like around the bend. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Picasso, I did a port, I did a video a while ago about um, TikTok, sorry, on TikTok about Picasso and his later works. Oh, the one that upset so many people because you said so they were shit. So many people were mad. So I just make people mad. Like, I no, was it's fun. Surprised. It's fun. I'm surprised. But what they were mad about is that I was insulting a, a person with dementia and Picasso didn't have dementia. <laughs> I've n- never heard that narrative he before. Where the he fuck didn't. did that they come from? They just assume that because oh. they assume that, and I was like, "But like, it's funny. No, his art is just bad, right? Like, <laughs> come on, man. That 
he could like he's like Dali. They could get away with what they could get away with, you know. You, did you make but, a video that said "Don't insult people with dementia"? <laughs> That's very funny. You should do that. That it would be. That is very funny. I did a video instead because I just never. Think, I am good I'm at comedy. Not relief. that funny. I'm just not that funny. I disagree. I think that you're quite funny. Well, thank I, you. But you make me laugh. Know. Well, that's that's important. Um, but like <laughs> I made a video, which is true that there was a study. And the reason I knew this is because I had um, we, we had that program that MoMA um, had started about, um, you know, art and dementia. And we used art to work with people who were suffering from dementia. And so um, there's a study actually about Picasso and how they know Picasso didn't have dementia because his lines are the same, his brushstrokes are the same. Oh. He just has different styles. Long. And versus like de Kooning. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I would actually guess that like a train, I mean, you have to kind of be trained to see where de Kooning starts going awry um but um but you know like that that actually he's a symbol of the opposite mm -hmm. so I think what happens is people my point about Picasso is he doesn't have dementia but a lot of people just want to assume they've either if their art when you've gotten up you've gotten famous you got a style that you're um and like like Goya right like Goya people are always like it's because he like took too much he you know licked his paintbrushes that had lead white and he went crazy or maybe he like wanted to try something else you know like <laughs> I don't like Picasso's lay period but like maybe mm -hmm. he wanted to try something else you know mm -hmm. he's not he's not like senile mm -hmm. but I think a lot of these people don't want to risk their their uh I think money. maybe I think maybe also because for when you think about it, this is also kind of how TikTok functions, right? And kind of yeah. the internet. And I think maybe there's a fear about this idea of kind of letting go what is like your most successful yeah. kind of work. Because like I went through this experience going to grad school, right? Mm -hmm. And I I remember one of my professors, his name's Joe Wallen, shout out. And he he saw my work and he saw that I, you know, I really didn't want to sell it. I really didn't want to give my originals out to anybody. Still don't. Um, but he kind of, he was like, Sophie, you're your best work is still ahead of you. Why are you so afraid of parting with this? Mm. And then it wasn't really until I kind of started, you know, I had the resources to practice portraiture here. And I realized that he was absolutely right. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. I think it is. You know, I think maybe it like is. they think their best work is behind them. Oh, maybe. You know, the mm. other thing I think is um, that like it's this calling card right and I was thinking about like the art some of the artists there's very few artists I can think of whose career didn't after they get to a certain point didn't stop them make, from making being excited and making a new thing mm. um like Frank Stella I think he's one that is willing to make new things I don't particularly find his metal work appealing mm-hmm but I mean, he is a was a painter. I mean, he's gone through enormous style changes, mm, mm -hmm. um, and I think he was willing to do it. But I think he was able to do it because he was a man from New York. Mm -hmm. Like he had a lot. I think that like you know, I can't think of really any female artist <laughs> who's gone through that many changes. Maybe maybe um, Cindy Sherman. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Maybe, but like, I can't think of, I mean, I, I mean, I'm like, you know, I think like, uh, Catherine Opie, when I guess like, so I think that also you either become wildly successful for one thing. Mm -hmm. 
and you I, stick I with it. I do love Catherine Opie. <laughs> oh my God, I love Catherine Opie. She's, Ohio artist, so Northeast Ohio artist. Oh, She's really? from outside of Cleveland, yeah. Have you met her? I haven't. Damn it. I have not. <laughs> but she has been, I've heard her speak. She's been here many times. And I know mm -hmm. like, I don't know, a zillion people who have met her. And I'm always like, ah, I'm like so a many star. one degrees from Catherine Oak. Um <laughs> I was rewatching the work. L word the other week and she uh -huh. makes a guest appearance in like the 2000s original The L Word. Oh, really? oh my God. I love her. I yeah, she's a fucking one. icon. Um, I, don't know, I miss that one. It's, you <laughs> know what? Amazing. It's also because back then we didn't stream true right true. you had to like dvr anyway mm -hmm. um i do think that she's one of those other people who's had like she does these really great images there was one here at the contemporary in cleveland of um she's she was born on lake erie like not literally on it but we are all mm -hmm. all cleveland she's like the suburb sandusky not suburb city it's its own city um but the lake here our lake looks like an inland sea right you can't see you can't see Canada, which is on the other side. So, um, so, and when you look at it, it like, you cannot, it's just, it's like, it has waves. It's, you know, it's a big body of water. And so she does these beautiful kind of like Sugimoto like photographs of it, but then plus she does all her portraiture and she, so she's maybe another one like Cindy Sherman who's mm -hmm. played around with a few other things. Um, but I think in the, in the vast men have a lot more latitude, but even they so don't have latitude. that much latitude. Yeah. And I think that that latitude really kind of decreases the more intersections you have, uh, you know, this is something that I've always tried to kind of articulate to people, which is that I think this is because it's something I experienced in grad school, right? I was a white artist who was allowed to kind of discuss experiences of queerness, climate change, you know, immigration, all of that kind of stuff. And when I, when I watched my classmates, especially my black classmates try and, you know, create work that was outside of anything other than the narrative of like suffering and struggle and overcoming adversity, it's just shot down as a white artist, you just, you have the ability to kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think it's true. And I think actually on TikTok too, a thing that I really struggle with um, and that I've had a lot of TikTok drama about mm. is um, the number of negative comments I get that are associated with race. Mm. You know, like somebody called me a brownie. You've had, yeah, you've had a hell of a fucking week. You um... know, but like in general, I have over my <laughs> 10 years since May, had so many racist comments. That's like um, old school racism too. No, it is. It's it is. Fucked. But like I've had, you know, like I don't I have never I have definitely like right after 9-11, I certainly probably was the only time in Cleveland that I had mm. uh where I live, um, any kind of like direct comments. But I've mm -hmm. also, like many people of color, um, spent most of my time around people in places where people of color are. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you're not going to, I'm not going to invite drama unless I have to, but yeah, because I'll TikTok is in any house. Yeah, yeah. Well, my God, but that's right? the thing, right? You, I think that's the thing that's really hard for a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. We don't put ourselves physically into those spaces, but TikTok puts us in any space they want. And in fact, yeah. TikTok puts us in spaces where they know there'll be drama. Like well, the TikTok and will cause harm. Will cause harm. So the TikTok yeah. drama I, I'd love to talk about this week is um kind of an old one for me but then one that has had long repercussions on my channel 
It's I always had, eternally um, relevant too. It is always eternally relevant. So I had um, a very long time ago posted in TikTok a long time. Maybe it was like four months ago, five months ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, I read, I think I duetted, I duetted a video of um, a sculpture where a woman was nude, but, you know, holding up her breasts. Mm-hmm. And um, she was basically like, you know, she was she was euphoric. She was not, her face was without expression. Her eye, you know, she was just sort of, you know, eyes closed. Serene. Serene, Bliss- serene. Blissfully unaware. And um, I said, <laughs> um, I always, I never know, I never know. Um, I can tell the gender of the artist. I remember and this video. Wow. Like, I mean, I had, a, it had a, it was the first video I had that had a million likes, mm-hmm. but it also had, I mean, so many comments and I ended up having to take it down because I had um, duetted the video. Right. And mm-hmm. the other person got all these like complaints and both I had gotten, I got death threats from that video. Um, that was like the big land landscape sculpture sculpture yeah. things with the yeah those yeah. they they were like kind of exaggerated Disney princess style women. Yes. It was just so boring. Well, and so this is where I think that I find myself really, and I think a lot of my TikTok drama comes from what I said earlier that I have never been in these people's homes. Similarly, mm. I've never eaten meals with them, and I do think like well. Um, race is certainly, uh, um, you know, a split in America. Like there are probably plenty of people in America who've never eaten a meal with somebody of another race. Most definitely. Same as Australia. Yeah, I'm sure. And, um, but I think a bigger split in the whole world is um, about socioeconomic class and education. Definitely. Definitely. And so like, I think that people who are either upper middle class or from the intellectual class very rarely spend any time talking to interacting with in a meaningful non-hierarchical way people who are different no it's true so like you know while i've had you know i have certainly spent time with people who maybe are from lower middle class backgrounds we've (laughs) met over intellectual class things Mm -hmm. same yeah so i think that i intellectual just intellectually didn't realize how much um i was basically um i don't know hitting like it was like i was kicking a hornet's nest about gender Mm -hmm. the word gender was like very um triggering for people the idea and then the idea that beauty would be socially constructed just (laughs) it was like what what there's pretty and there's not pretty you're telling me you're telling me the way that i feel is socially determined yes bestie you do not exist in a social vacuum oh my god and then i mean the number of people who told me who told me i was just jealous (laughs) i was like i'm jealous of a sculpture like what um but like i was like and it's just funny because i'm not an i'm not a beauty influencer it's also such a weird critique i know I know. You're the just jealous. People, what? The number of people who have like told that told me on that video, I have crooked bottom teeth. Oh um, my gosh! Same. Who told me that? And like, I was like, okay, like, <laughs> really, really, are oh we gosh. here? Like, so, what would you say was 
the most positive impact from those videos rather than just a negative? Yeah, so then that's that's a great question. Um, I would say that, and you watched it, so maybe you have a different answer, but I would actually <laughs> say one, the most positive impact to me was that I realized that my place on TikTok is not gonna be where I thought it was. Like I kind mm. of thought, I mean, I have like a million years of notes of Art History 101. <laughs> and I like really could do, you know, just a very straight, like here's Portal, you know, Port you know, the Portofini uh, mm -hmm. altarpiece or like the Ghent altarpiece. And like, I could just do a very straight hmm. art history. I don't mean straight as in not gay, but like, you know, very, <laughs> like very strict or as we like to very say classic. at our house, we, we don't use straight in a car. We say gaily forward. Oh, I love that. Go straight. Um, but anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there, but, um, but uh I could do that and I think I was doing more of those or more like kind of funny ones mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. that and it really did change the trajectory of what I did I decided I was like you know what I'm just gonna double down on like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna double down baby um <laughs> that should be the that should be like the subtitle for my TikToks no you know what? I'm just gonna double down yeah. um like in a number of I I I didn't even mean to like trip into the male gaze and female gaze so hard on my channel, but it was because of that. I didn't mean to trip into tracing either. It just yeah. happened. Like it just yeah. whoopsie, I whoopsie daisy KO'd myself into a massive internet drama. And I think the same kind of goes for you, right? Like you stumble yeah. into these spaces where what seems to you like a really common sense understanding of history and art and opinion. And then suddenly people are like, this doesn't line up with my understanding and my worldview and I'm going to get really angry. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> like... I, know. I know, I know, I know. And it, what's funny to me is that I got in that and the many, many subsequent, I have like a playlist now and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I find it just fascinating where I've gotten to like on TikTok in general, because it's so different than where you get to when you're writing labels. <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> every day I'm like here but mm. um but uh I think that it it inflamed both men and women and what makes me very sad is that I did a few that were about non-binary or people who are you know like people who just are you know in any capacity different than the previous binaries in American mm -hmm. society of male and female and what makes mm -hmm. me very sad actually is and I've taken some of those down is because what happened was I also realized things that felt n normal to me weren't, but they were actually harmful. Mm. And so I I've taken down some of the videos. I don't think I saw many of those. No, because people would start saying na nasty things and I just take them down. Mm. I'm sorry. I've kept up one or two. Can you can you elaborate on what you talked about in them? Yeah, one of them was right around. Uh, I never watched TV um so that makes this um hard for I love me how to you're say. like a mass consumer of media but you don't watch tv and i'm you know the opposite what? i watch very so sad. much tv i used I to watch it. so much tv i love tv you know why i don't watch tv you love it's it because too much this is no no <laughs> it's so, this is because i am old and i'm not ready to get bifocals and so i grew up where <laughs> We watch TV, I have but we did. Come on. Oh, really? You do? Yes. Oh, they make me feel broken. So no, when I was a no, kid no, no. watching TV, my grandmother even did this. You would be doing something while you watch TV. I like have crocheting, computer glasses. Or reading. Yeah. 
And then oh. I have my bifocals for when I'm like doing something in front of me yeah. and when I need to see in my mid-range. You do? Yes. Oh, maybe TV is bad for me. Don't so feel I don't bad. watch TV don't feel because old. I can't see the screen and read my book. Bestie, let glass help you. It is like, okay, I've become obsessed with glass since I did that. Uh, we can use this segment. For... Right? <laughs> <laughs> Again, no. Um, no, really? Yes. Oh, I could do that. So I don't watch TV. Come on. Okay, we'll do this. We'll do the bifocals segment later. But I don't watch TV. <laughs> but there was those two people who were talking about Prosecco and mm. ne Negronis. I don't know what they're in. Wait, wait, wait. Because yes. apparently people like my voice. A Negroni. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. With Prosecco. Spagliato it. with That's Prosecco right. in it. <laughs> so whatever show those two people are, um, I uh, I think it's I Euphoria. I actually sure. haven't, I haven't, I haven't actually seen Euphoria. I'm a bad gay. I'll get there. Oh, I can't. It's because I've it's teenagers been... and it so upsets me. I don't want like to think about it's drug, just like drug I... teenagers. Well, I'm kind of feeling like a little bit too sensitive to be able to explore that kind of content for myself right now. So I'm just like, yeah. no, I'll pass. I'll pass. It's okay. I don't want to see small young people being abused. So <laughs> I okay. always, my dad, um, my dad is a physician and he um, used to mm. work like at the city hospital. So when he was sort of starting out and saw a lot of really tough things, he only watched very fluffy like television and media because he like mm. didn't want to have it in his private life. Mm -hmm. And um, but would and so like growing up, my parents just watched fluffy media. <laughs> and I admit, like in high school and college, I definitely watched like deep thoughts media. But as I've gotten older now, I'll read like serious books, but I can't watch like as soon as and my my family always laughs because like as soon as like violence against women is like if it's in the first I'm like out, we're out we're done <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this but oh. I've lost we've lost the track here um but the reason that I bring up the women is that I did do a video of the people I think um um one of them is non-binary but the people is that I I stitched that and I said one of the things I think is really important to remember is that. Um, when you look at art, when you look at people's expression of identity, mm -hmm. your idea of gender isn't their idea of gender. Definitely. And so um, it was like about um, even across wear. cultures, like it's never going right. to be the same. Exactly. I did a thing about like photographs of women wearing menswear and how sometimes that was about like the same kind of you know code switching as using guys for women, mm -hmm. but then sometimes it was about expressing you know being non-binary mm. and like you can't tell by looking no right? well because so, as much as like because of course clothes don't determine gender <laughs> right right well and i think that the thing that's hard is though for some people clothes express gender of course of course but not all people and i think that's also the hard thing because mm -hmm. it goes back to the issue about like that i'm i'm not beautiful not me being beautiful but like the person feeling like that is the only beauty right like mm, that mm -hmm. you know and that they also there's like a there's a feeling that for me wearing a skirt means I'm a woman so for you wearing a skirt has to mean you're a woman mm -hmm. you know and then I did another one about non-binary artists mm -hmm. uh and there's like one person who I really love nobody's name ever sticks in my head but uh, who just did their MFA at Columbia, who did um, a wonderful re it's like a it's like if you did Noli Matangere, which is uh, Mary Magdalene um, uh, holding on um, Jesus. That's a mm -hmm. it's like a classical um, iconography. 
but at a bodega between mm -hmm. two non-binary people. Oh. It was, it's beautiful. I wish I could remember the person's name, I can't think of it, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find it, put it in the show notes. And, um, uh, and then I did a couple of other artists, uh, artists from Montreal. And I think I've kept that one up. I kind of like take it off and put it back up. Um, I don't, because like the problem is, I don't want to harm, right? Yeah, no, I got it. The people who have had the most difficulty, I think, with the male gaze, um, though, are the people that, like women, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that women have had, I've had a lot of women who are truly stunned that what they look like is socially constructed. For them, I, th I think it's about autonomy, right? Like, it's like, it's, I think that, that we've created a culture of meritocracy and individuality that we mm -hmm. perceive ourselves mm -hmm. as, I mean, that to me, like the biggest challenge of the art world is this, like the, the myth of the genius. Oh my God. I hate it so much. I hate let's let's not get me riled up but it's it's Do my it, most get hated up. that's why i post about like this kind of normalized tracing narrative so the idea that and i do look i do kind of believe that like and maybe every now and again there's someone who for whatever universal reason it kind of comes into yeah mm. actually have you seen that kid on tiktok who's kind of like building a tesla machine in his backyard no i oh. see the kid who can crochet oh my really God. fast Yes, I have seen that. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I'll see if I can find... Actually, I'm going to write this down. I'll see if I can find him for you. Um, but there's this kid. He's just this, like, young black kid. And he's building, like, a sustainable energy machine based off of Nikola Tesla's kind of work in his backyard. Um, <laughs> he's wild. So I think maybe he is one of those people um, who is maybe kind of here to push us forward. The idea that especially in the arts, because arts is just like art, creativity, craft. It's all so intuitive to us as mm -hmm. creatures, mm -hmm. as humans, as people mm -hmm. who want to externalize our internal experience. Mm -hmm. That hasn't changed since, you know, forever. Like, have you been seeing that trend of all the, like, there it is, that funny feeling videos, and it's just people kind of posting uh like face cream from the roman era that still has like the fingerprints in it or children's kind of cave paintings and you can tell that like a child was sitting on top of an adult's shoulders um wow. or i just saw one today that was like some guy um it's like the first bad review of someone's business <laughs> i saw that one yeah, yeah it's like carved outside the story it's like mm -hmm. uh you took my money from me on like enemy territory like now i'm without like i'm never gonna buy your copper again <laughs> It's amazing um yeah like humanity hasn't changed and i think that this idea of mastery or genius or anything like that it just it's patriarchal it keeps the idea of i think crafting circles and kind of community mm -hmm. like shared crafting space and collaboration uh, obsolete deliberately and i think it scares the shit out of young artists trying to learn i know how to how to I be <laughs> that, that's know. the bit that upsets me most it discourages so many people the amount of comments that i've gotten recently of people going wow this is normalized like this is good now i never yeah. post my stuff because i'm afraid that or i you know i just don't feel like an accomplished artist i'm like but you're using a tool that da vinci used it's okay <laughs> i think it is so much of people's so much of what is valued is what is 
consumable, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so much about the art market, let's say. Yeah. And, you know, like I think all the time about um, how our society has created sort of normative skills and behaviors. So mm. people who, you know, like um, people who don't clap back. Yeah. You know, people who are docile. Those do be, those people do better. I always used to say that I think that the best the people who do best in academic spaces are willing to eat a shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but it also like propagates itself, right? Like teachers, mm. I always, uh, I always think teachers are either people who used to be good at school, mm-hmm. or want to be the smartest person in the room. And, you know, I taught. Don't read me like that. <laughs> I taught. So I'm not, like, I would say. I, I work taught. with children so I could really feel like the smartest person in the room. Well, you might have really <laughs> enjoyed, you might have enjoyed art class. Like, I enjoyed I art class. Of course I did. Right? So, like, I taught. So I say that because I was really good at school mm. in that mm. sense, right? And I think a lot of art teachers could draw. Like, I think we, and so, like, I would be, I never have taught drawing because I always drew. So I've taught, taught all kinds of other studio things, but I inherently cannot tell you how to draw from life. I can draw from life, but I never truly remember learning. Mm-hmm. And I think that the lack of empathy people have for each other really shows when they think about genius, because they also don't really have any kind of um, grace for themselves, right? I could mm-hmm. never do that. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, like, it's like a lot of that kind of behavior is what's prompting them to sort of feel that way. I hate, and I hate how this is so kind of tied up in like landscape and monumental art, you know, like the guy that, you know, whose work you shared in that original video. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so few and far between finding women or you know people who don't identify as men basically which is like the worst way to categorize people as not something but you know what I mean not men yeah (laughs) um I I very rarely see artists in those spaces or coming from those spaces being given the space to kind of explore land in that way like can you imagine Mm -hmm. a world where first nations communities had the license to do monumental kind of land art imagine that imagine imagine like what what people would start to engage with if there was space for that to happen yeah it's you know there's somebody should do a study of how many women are public artists and how many men are but i agree i agree because i actually one of my professors that i met at my mfa program um like i look art school was rough but i did make some good connections which is kind of the point i started working for this Australian professor who is working on her own public art landscape installation and is working with First Nations communities to do it out in like this regional town in Australia. But she's essentially installing this enormous boat of ice out into the Australian desert. In its wake, wildflowers will grow. And it actually kind of references one of the first stories in Australian history following the sea captain, Charles Sturt, who followed like an inland river and got stranded in the middle of the desert when the water went away and he and his crew were about to die and they got saved by First Nations communities and it was actually one of the first kind of written accounts by a ship hand where white men were praising the local community and going oh my god like these people really know what they're doing 
and they they really saved us and we owe them our lives so yeah so she's kind of I, <laughs> I want her to turn it into like a whole festival like around the sculpture like a tourism festival that kind of promotes connection between yeah. land and community and kind of you know people coming out of town to support because it's in broken hill which is a, a used to be a mining town that was kind of devastated by mining practices and is now like i think marvel filmed there because it's one of the only two places in the world where there's perfect light mm. so one is broken hill in australia and i don't remember where it is uh, but it's somewhere in hawaii where there's also perfect light and it's like light waves that are totally unbroken so it's, it's a very it's a very photographic thing as you can imagine in many ways but um it's some of the most like meaningful land art that i have ever heard of hmm. it, it's making me think about so to go back to you know the sort of tiktok drama i guess is hmm. the idea of you know why like what what changed i think that trying to encourage listeners, viewers, people to think about how gender plays into every part of the art world. Mm -hmm. So certainly it is, you know, like this, and and it's funny because I get a score of um, people who, and I said, you can't judge what their gender is. Um, so, and they don't usually put their pronouns, but people who um, at least pass as cis white men who like to remind me that the male gaze is about film theory. And while yes, it does come from film theory. No, but it's like the idea that something can only be contained. Yes, it in can one only space. that that intellectual so thought dumb. goes nowhere. <laughs> Especially because then you're implying the film is like you know hermet hermetically sealed. Like, <laughs> film is like in independent of, like... of society, um, and of course, it doesn't film reflect itself, the zeitgeist at all. No. No, or it's not part of like visual culture beyond film, um, which is always fun. But, you know, it does, it, it was originated about, um, it was originated in film theory, but I think it has such validity in the depictions of women mm. by men. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think that, but it also reminds us that our idea of gender is constructed at that said, constructed or not, it is a social force. And, you know, like, Right, like I can't imagine, and I've been thinking as you're talking, I was thinking about her, that installation you just said, and I was thinking like, could you have an installation where you have a giant naked man who just has one hand over the jewels and, um, and that's it. His little ivy leaf. <laughs> His little ivy leaf. And I know that, like, I mean, I in our society now. So I know that David is out there and I know, but mm. like after I had, you know, done a video a while ago about um, how so much of our, like, and I think I've been thinking a lot about this, about nudity, what's permissive nudity and what's not. Um, mm -hmm. But because of all these gen videos about gender and how female nudity is so much more permissive in society. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking at public art, it's usually monuments which are dressed. Yep. And then naked ladies. Mm hmm. Or else, and then they fix that by going with inscrutable, um, you know, abstract sculptures. Then David Smith yeah. took over. But like, can you imagine somebody, some city saying, here's my garden, my giant garden? I'd like a naked giant man. Not even like, it's not like David at least was David of Goliath fame. But yeah, like, right. Like these, a lot of these, you know, beautiful women who are inert, 
Mm-hmm. Inert is such a good phrase for it too, or word right? for it too. They're just like they're not like they're objects. They're objects, but they're not yeah. even like um, objectify. They're not even objectifying a concept. It's not like fortune. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like providence. It's just mm. some big old naked lady. So why just, can't you have just a, a big vessel old naked to guy? pour my semen into? Sorry, that was disgusting. That's right. But mm-hmm. that's what it is. <laughs> right. No, it is. It is. So what about a big old naked guy? Why aren't we doing that? So this is something that I would love to see because for the most part, I think that, you know, this particular way of kind of, and this is kind of like where I think a lot of the reason why women indulge in like smut and mm-hmm. fantasy Mm-hmm. and fan fiction and mm-hmm. AO3 memberships and stuff mm-hmm. like it's because there's a way of consuming male sexuality that just doesn't exist in the visual world that can mm-hmm. in the imaginative space mm-hmm. um just mm-hmm. come on folks I want to like let's see some pains well so <laughs> yeah I've been I've been thinking I'm gonna do a, a video about the male gaze and romance book covers because I do think that the you know like and one of the big topics on TikTok but you know TikTok it's like it's a its own sphere right so this is Mm -hmm. not a big topic in the art world but in TikTok world it's really important (laughs) um that um which is important too so I'm not I'm not invalidating it but I think it's one that actually I hope does go out of um, in its own way TikTok is also hermetically sealed it is it's true um but the female gaze apart from the fact that instagram is mostly like 50 percent tiktok reposts i know i know um i like to call it old man instagram um (laughs) but uh the that the female gaze does it exist Mm. and i know that like sometimes scholars talk about it but that's the question that i had brewing in me you've talked about how the female gaze doesn't exist can you can you tell us more yeah i mean i think like and i don't know that it doesn't exist but academics say this is the part i do believe from academia so the idea of the male gaze is that's that society basically is is patriarchal and so that women are objectified and their image you know is projected in ways that are objects and so even and so the so the reason that the female gaze doesn't exist is because we're not in a matrilineal matriarchal society Mm -hmm. and so we don't have those same forces and so if the female gaze exists it's in reaction to the male gaze meaning therefore it is just a part of it right like so even Mm -hmm. if like so and I do think I think what actually and I don't know like I don't know I do think that we live in a patriarchal society. And so I do think women are pushing against the male gaze and trying to define who they are. But, you know, I look at artists, a lot of artists, like um, one of my favorite artists is Erin M. Riley, who does tapestries that are mm-hmm. self-portraits. And um, she does a lot of images. She's bisexual and she's very open about her sexuality and Mm. uh, her lifestyle and you know she has like you know I don't know like self-pleasure and porn and all kinds of things that you know are sort of normal but we don't um show them in art historically and um she just shows her body it's very like sort of normalized but I still see it 
we will all see it in reaction to the histor history of female nudes because we live yeah. in society, right? Like, well, and I just that's don't the think same... that you can divorce yourself from desirability right. politics. And it's like, exactly. and like, you know, crutches and spice on TikTok, yeah. Amani? Yeah. yeah. I remember. Not personally, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, right? Um, so she, she had this really great critique kind of with the rise of it, you know, Roe v. Wade and everything kind of happening here that with this idea that women kind of have to be breedable is going to is going to see this like total rise in women going against desirability politics and shaving their heads she was fucking right i'm seeing i'm seeing it everywhere um and i think that it's kind of true because like you know this idea that the female gaze it's determined by what the male gaze isn't and they can't it's like they can't really exist without the other because that's how a binary works yes they're they're in they're entangled they're yeah, entangled they're enmeshed so they're, they're enmeshed and so like i was trying to um think about i've been thinking about this forever about whether somebody asked me why don't straight men straight male artists make hypersexualized images of men so and I, like i have been like real it's been just such a thought experiment for me i love when people like make me really think on tiktok um and um and you know like i can think of plenty of queer artists who show hypersexualized men you know and i can think of plenty of women who show hypersexualized women mm -hmm. lisa yuskovich Mm -hmm. um is like the first but like a million people like even i mean i think on some level like jenny savile like i mean i know that they're a certain kind of woman but um but well, like coming from the coming from the uh kind of online vintage and antique community so many of those people like dress to feel sexualized in like in yeah. certain contexts and that yeah. is something that i do as well like you know right. Right. That's that's one of the reasons I will wear red lipstick in videos sometimes because I know that that's going to play into an idea of desirability mm -hmm. politics and people are going to mm -hmm. listen to me more if I look prettier. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Gross. Mm -hmm. It is gross. It is gross. And it's it's but it's part of like so this is also I think the thing about all these so I I think to go back to like why um, it's been so shocking to people when I talk about gender and art, it's because they cannot negotiate themselves and these larger forces. Mm. So like, no, if true. I say, you know, I did one about somebody's like, well, you really hate women. Right. And I was <laughs> like, and I was using a filter and I, some of those filters, you know, the, the makeup looks amazing. Right. And I think I look attractive. That is part of society in my brain. Mm -hmm. Do I feel less bad about bad about it? No, I am in society. No, I am not an alien. I am a human. I am in our human society. It's like Sujia, you know, who everyone's uh -huh. tagging in your posts right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she she did like one of my posts today. Yeah, I was right like, on. oh, poor lady. She must be like, who's this Seema in Cleveland? <laughs> no, she'll she'll love you. Um, but I remember someone was like, oh my god, do you get Botox? She was like, yeah, of course I fucking get Botox. Like I'm on. I make content. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I may as well just feel good about my face. I was like, fuck yeah, that's like how, that's, I just feel like that's the attitude we should have. I'm glad she's honest about it. I love it. 
she and I are the same age. Yeah. Um, and I've been looking at her skin and thinking, huh. <laughs> hmm. huh. No, she's she's open about it because she's you know that's her brand, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I I love. Yeah, but that's another thing I do think you know, like being like women have changed. I think mm. the agency of women has changed, and similarly, I think the openness in some parts of our American society to people who are non-binary has changed. Definitely. And as a result, I think the way that the male gaze is expressed and has changed. You know, I think about, but, like I think about, like I was thinking about- I thought you were about to say, I think about butts. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> Kim Kardashian. <laughs> there you go, there you go, I did do that video. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Botticelli's Venus. Mm -hmm. I think that now when it, and there's plenty of times where women are objectified pretty much on the same level now. I think the difference is there are more people critiquing it. Mm. I think more people are aware. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, and I, this is one of the things that I think is like a weird kind of cognitive dissonance, right? Like people will, <laughs> they'll be aware that there's a social critique in there, but most of the time they won't really investigate it and mm -hmm. they'll just get, Mm -hmm. inflamed about their own personal kind mm -hmm. of perception of the situation mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the male gaze videos were all about cognitive dissonance for people but yeah. I, what i think i'm pretty i'm glad <laughs> you think you're pretty good for you like i i support your like self-esteem that is not what my channel is about yeah i am not a beauty channel i'm yeah. talking to you about history here yeah um, and I think there was a, there's a, like a true cognitive distance. And it's funny because like every time, the other thing I found, I find really surprising is that whenever I comment on like large forces against, like about women, you mm -hmm. know, and things like um, that, you know, female beauty is constructed or whatever. I have a number of people saying, well, you just hate women. No, I'm giving women license to like not engage with this shit. What are you talking about? That's right. That's right. And it's, but it's fascinating, right? And I think because when you come from the arts, we are so used to nudity. Mm -hmm. I never see it. I like, I, you could be what, like, I just nude pictures of my friends on my wall. Right? Like, I never <laughs> even notice. And so I, I think for me, and I think that, you know, when you come from an arts space, I have certainly known people. I mean, from high school who were non-binary, people who were trans, like, mm -hmm. you know, I've definitely, be being in the arts, been around people like that. I just never even thought about it. Mm. And so I think also that- I was in the like lesbian group in oh, high I school. I was in yeah. the, like the reject kind yeah. of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were the weird ones. We were the artsy ones. I mean, I think to to sort of summarize all this, all these thoughts about gender and art, and I think that to me, like mm. sort of the summary of, you know, because people are constantly like, oh, what does it mean? And I think what I invite people to do when they look at any visual image, and this is where I think art really helps you understand media, to mm -hmm. try to at least think about who produced it and what their point of view is, because mm. I think that the the essence of male gaze and female gaze is why they did that and what they were trying to project. You know, that is like sort of an essence and who has agency in this projection? Mm -hmm. Because I, I think that that is at the core of why it's also just uncomfortable for some people because it implies Definitely. 
either from depending on where they are, but for women, their their lack of agency starts to make you feel boxed in. Yes. Think they have agency, they don't. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. In in acknowledging that you're never gonna be able to be divorced from a system of gender or representing or a representation of gender without <laughs> confronting your own internal, you know, trans biases for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Like it, you really are boxed in in that mentality because you know can't accept trans people can't give men power and it's like may as well align myself with jk rowling like i you know and i on some level i empathize with people that they feel cornered in by a society that is so completely outside of their control which is also kind of like not true right you can kind of start creating shifts in the dynamics around you and then that's i think how change happens in some ways Um, yeah i mean i think all change is small change yeah Right? Like yeah. you can do it yourself. Did you see the video that Elio posted where he was like, if I could choose between small change and revolution, I'd choose small change. Because oh. like revolution harms like minorities the hardest every time. And that is a perspective I have not heard from many people in a while, like anyone in a while, which and it's fucking true. Like so many people calling for revolution and violence, but like at the expense of who? He's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it sort of makes me think of something I loved um, this week, which was I read um, Rainbow Rowell's Scattered Showers. Mm, Media recommendation? Yes. What's it called again? Um, Rainbow Rowell is the the author and it's Scattered Showers. Okay. Um, And I really loved it because it um, was short stories. And it was just like these Mm. little moments. I love Rainbow Rowell anyway, but there were small moments generally like one of them was and I mean there Rainbow Rowell you know is, is like one of those authors who's it's, it's love romantic love is like the center of it but mm. there was you know short stories about short moments like, like waiting in line for tickets when you don't have to or um uh meeting up with a friend for a party every year or you know like you know there's like very simple moments but I think that Mm -hmm. one of the things that we forget is life is lived in these short moments just as change is lived in these short moments and so I really enjoyed that I love that I've always kind of been of the opinion that life is in the in the details not the big moments yeah Yeah. Um, what about you what what media recommendation do you have I'm gonna go a bit left field with this one and I am going to recommend that people look up one of my favorite Australian comedy duos following the pattern that the best comedy out of Australia always comes from women every time. This one is called, you can watch the catering show, the catering with a K and then their other series, which is the best one, which I think is only available. You might be able to pirate it somewhere, but you can buy it on Apple TV, which is like meh, but it's called get Kraken. And it's these two Australian ladies who essentially doing this show where it's kind of like a a mockumentary style version of them producing this early morning TV show. (laughs) Um, They start filming at three in the morning so that they can reach a US audience. So it's this really, really funny commentary where it's these two women, two working mums who are kind of coming up against the patriarchy and aging and um, kind of fighting for their lives on TV because they're not very likable either. Like they're not very likable white women. Um, I love I love women in Australia. They're so funny. I just love how Australia, 
all the American speaking nations are so separated by a common language. Mm-hmm. You know, I can hear what you're saying when I watch Australian comedy or any Australian television, actually. I always think, <laughs> huh, it's so similar and yet so different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like our approach to comedy, I think, is just really different to mm-hmm. America as well. I think mm-hmm. it's more of a UK leaning structure. Mm-hmm. where people go for kind of shorter release series for the sake mm-hmm. of better writing <laughs> rather than dragging mm-hmm. something out for like 12 seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also like you're, the way that things are said are so, it's so different, right? Like, it's just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I was listening to the other day. <laughs> somebody who, somebody on TikTok and he was live and the way that they were speaking, I was like, wow, it's like we're using the same words in totally a different order. Is it that guy that I reposted who's like every time I hear an Australian in an American piece of media, I think they're faking an Australian accent and then I realize it's just how we sound? No, but that's funny. (laughs) But the thing is, like, I thought he was faking his accent in the video because he sounded so ridiculous. No, it was three dudes in Queensland. I looked where they were uh, because I knew I'd talk to you. And um, they were wearing, um, they were wearing like, tank tops but they had piping they must have been some sort of sporty situation mm-hmm. and um and you know australian men were, have always worn such shorty shorts oh we you never know, left the like 70s never. football no like, so they were no. wearing like shorty shorts and i really uh, do think that football tops. is just an excuse especially in australia for men to like just like have a little fondle of each other's because <laughs> their shorts are so short they their, are chun- so their short. chunky arms are like out no, there they're all like yeah, I'm like gonna smash heads with you. I'm like, <laughs> smash dicks, maybe. Um. <laughs> no, they were like that. And they were saying words. And I was like, but I don't understand how this sentence is a word. Like, it's a sentence. What's happening? Mm. I didn't know what they were saying. I couldn't like, I was like, huh, um, weird. We are I, don't, I think it was more cultural. I think the words were right, but it was culturally I wasn't there. Anyway, <laughs> this takes us away from the point, which was that that's a good media recommendation. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> This is how we're making it onto the uh, arts and culture charts on Apple Podcasts in Australia, Seema. We're just going, oh, you know, we're just giving now Australians so much it. content. Now that no. I was talking about all the Australian guys with the shorty shorts. Or else, like, if no, we get a lot more American. No, no, no. It's going to be Australian women tuning in going like, you know what? I, I agree. We do like those short shorts. They are, they are good. Or American women who are like, wait, there's shorty shorts in Australia? What? <laughs> what? I don't know. I promise, I promise you, like, not everyone looks like a Hemsworth, but you but do see. But some of them do. You do Tune see a lot of. For tips. <laughs> you do get to see, like, regardless of their face, a lot of creamy man thigh, which is okay. This is a good place to remind you to be sure to follow us at Art Lust Podcast. I am and so you funny. You'll never topics, regret it. You'll never regret it. <laughs> and if you have any topics, suggestions, feedback, sponsorship offers, or you just want know. to say hi to us, please email us at artlustpodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Yes. And you can follow Seema at Art Lust on TikTok. And you can follow me at Darkroom Varmint, V-A-R-M-I-N-T, because I choose bad names, but God, my content is great. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Oh my gosh. See you later, gang.